0: Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Well, good morning, you guys. It's really great to see you this morning. Um, Lord, we thank you for the joy of the Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for the way that you tend our lives. We thank you. And God, as we began the service, we also want to acknowledge and recognize that you are active in the whole earth, that you are extending your kingdom. Of the expansion of your kingdom, Isaiah 9 tells us, there'll be no end. We thank you for what you're doing locally and globally. Thank you. And Lord, uh, today I'm asking for a gift. I pray that you would anoint our time, anoint these words, I pray that you'll anoint us with the power of God, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and with the pinpoint accuracy of Jesus, our shepherd. I pray that we would hear and we would retain and we would reflect and we would bear fruit from your holy word as you plant and work and do in us what honors you today. Bless my friends online, bless those in this room, and bless them in Jesus' name, amen. So several weeks ago, I began sharing about two significant words. I wanted to remind us of some of the significant words that the Lord had given to us. And we actually began with holy desire, baptize us with fire. And the Lord had given us this word for this year, which is we wanted to experience the fiery passion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He is a man on fire, he is a man of fire, and he loves you so much that he has fire in his eyes for you, Revelation chapter one tells us. It's not fire to destroy you. It's not fire like your spouse gives you sometimes when you said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing. It's the fire of love. And so he's not trying to burn you up with his eyes. He's actually trying to inspire you and fuel you and let you experience his heart's desire. The other significant word that the Lord had given us last year was to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. But that passage begins with this phrase, whatever happens. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves, Philippians 1.27, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That is a real test for us, amen? And so, uh, and as we enter into a political season, as we enter into an, uh, an economic shaking, as we enter into a, a time uh, of, of unknowns, for some of us, I want to just challenge you today with this word from the Lord, whatever happens... Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of your king. And remember, it's good news because Isaiah 52.7 says, Our God reigns. It would not be good news if we were left to ourselves, if we were left to the whim and to the will of men or even the enemy. It's good news that our God reigns. And I pray that thou get into your bones today Whatever happens, Philippians 1.27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So I want to share some good news with you this morning. I was on a recent uh, conference call, and I, and I know many of you have actually seen these things on the advertisements. If you watch sporting events or if you've been to the different stadiums, uh, they've also been at Times Square. There is a campaign right now called He Gets Us, and He Gets Us is a gift to our culture in a strategic hour. This campaign is designed to create cultural change in the way that people think about Jesus and consider his relevancy for their lives. The He Gets Us campaign is about creating opportunities for people in our country to take a fresh look at the real Jesus and to consider his radical teachings and his claims which the word of God shares with us. And we wanna be open and a part of this desire is to create openness so that people with real questions, with real heart's desire can begin to ask those questions in a safe place where they can be comfortable asking even hard and difficult challenging questions. The goal is for people to see that Jesus isn't some irrelevant historical figure that lived in the past and has nothing for us today, but that this Jesus is alive and actually relates to people today in our culture and understands our human frailty and understands our human vulnerability. Jesus himself experienced what we have experienced, and he's been tempted in every way in which we've been tempted. And he has the answers to life's most pressing issues, problems, and need. The truth is, he gets us. And that's the campaign that's a gift, I believe, to our culture. And so this campaign, which is being given to the church, so the reason why I'm helping you with this is because people are going to be talking about this. They've seen the advertisements. They've seen the campaign, and they're going to be talking about it. And I want you to know, some of you have told me I don't watch TV, and heaven forbid I don't watch sports, and so I am so sorry. But uh, I want you to know about this campaign because it's being done in a really clear and impactful way. And by the way, it's probably not to reach you if you're over 50 years of age. It's to reach the people 40 years and under, but it's in their language, it's using pictures, and and it's uh, a really top quality representation, illustration, It's actually revelation about Jesus, I believe. And so what they're trying to hope is our culture really is confused about who Jesus was. So Christianity in America and thereby association, Jesus himself, have been getting a lot of negative press lately in our country. And somehow Jesus' message of love has gotten distorted in the minds of many who now view Christianity as a religion of hate, that is, what God is against, what he is opposed to, that he's not for them. But when people really see who Jesus is, we believe that they'll be open to exploring his teachings, his claims, especially when they see authentic followers of the Lord Jesus Christ living out radical compassion and love and forgiveness in the way that they relate to other people. And this is important now because our culture is at a tipping point. Jesus has really become relatively unknown to the generation under 40 years of age. And so they're on media, they're on, they're on different things with their phones, with YouTube, and these ads, this campaign is presenting to them A revelation of the God who loves, not the God who is hate-filled and against everything and everyone. It's time for people to meet the real Jesus, actually the radical Jesus of the Bible, who loves the unlovable and understands human frailties because he experienced them because he gets us. So I wanted to just inform you about this campaign. And then I just want to thank God personally and corporately and publicly for what he's doing Uh, Kevin Palau of the Luis Palau Evangelistic Association said it like this. Many people have had negative experience with Jesus followers who didn't make them feel loved or accepted. Bridges invite people to take small steps because people just want to know that they're understood and loved by God. So the He Gets Us campaign is actually a way to build bridges into our culture in today's culture that, quite frankly, many of us don't understand this culture and how it is and how it's working. But to build culture, you need three things. You need humility, you need a listening ear, and you need, uh, Louise said it like this, you need to behave well. You need to behave well. So we need to listen well, behave well, but we also need to show up not as know-it-alls, but as humble people. I hope we'll try, Kevin Palau says, new things in how we behave and how we listen and how humble we are. Unfortunately, we're known again for what we're against rather than what we're for. Now, there's two bridges that the He Gets Us campaign is trying to build. One is the divinity bridge and the other is the respect bridge. You can't get to the divinity of Christ until we deal with the respect And the personal relevancy of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So historical means and models of evangelism for those of us that are older was focusing on getting people across the divinity bridge. In other words, we wanted to get them from unsaved to saved. But spiritually open people today don't reach that bridge first without discovering that Jesus is relevant. And that Jesus is worthy of their respect. They have to see Jesus before they get the revelation of Christ. And so the respect bridge is we want to spend time cultivating mutual interest and respect. And we want them to see that they were actually created in the image of God. And that Jesus reveals to us today how God feels about us. So we want to be respectful of people in their journey. And by the way... If you're going to build bridges with people, you need to have the long view, the long term in view. It can take a decade to build relationships and bridges with people, amen? When I was growing up, I was actually taught that if somebody didn't receive Jesus as soon as I shared with them, that I needed to just cast the dust off my feet and have nothing to do with them. But I pray that today we'll be a people who stick in there for the long haul and we treat people with love and respect whether they do what we want them to do or not. Amen? I pray that we'll be, because God's like that with you and me, isn't he? And and the impact of this campaign, over 338 million views of the YouTube channel, uh, videos have already been seen by people 338 most of you don't know this but a lot of the people that are 40 and under what they get their information and what they watch is YouTube okay and then 4.8 billion people have gotten impressions from social media 41,000 people have gotten involved in the U version scripture reading plan from the he gets us campaign There have been 7,297 prayer requests, 70,000 people have been connected with a local church, and there are 5,700 churches partnering with this campaign because as they discover people that are interested in asking questions, they point them to a local church. So, what does this have to do with us? What does it have to do with us? I want you to know that today, God is on the move in our culture, and this is a gift to our culture. So I wanted you to know, so there's somebody says, Mike Walter came in uh, two Sundays ago, and I was going to preach on this, and, uh, but you know, the Holy Spirit had a different agenda for us last Sunday, right? And uh, Walter goes, Pastor Jeff, did you see on TV they had Jesus, and he gets us. And uh, I want you to have that kind of energy and excitement. We need that from Walter, don't we? where we go up to people and we we can share Jesus and that he loves us and he's for us. So I want to thank the Lord. And then I want us to pray. So today I'm going to share this word that the Lord has given to us. I want us to show up differently in our culture than how we're currently showing up. Okay. Now, for those of you that as we begin to look at these passages and you go, I got that. I got that. I'm good. I'm good. Then you pray for someone else. Okay. Okay. Because a lot of the body of Christ is not showing up well in these areas. And then when you get around people that aren't getting it, then I want to empower you to pray for them. Amen? That you would bless them. Let's not curse anybody. Let's not say, well, I wish they'd have been in Pastor Jeff's sermon and they'd gotten this. Um, Well, you might say that. But um, I I want us to be a people who who love well and who show up well in this current context, whatever happens. So if you have your Bible turn to Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. I'm going to share some verses on how Jesus tells us to show up in culture. Matthew 5:43. You've heard it said Jesus said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons and daughters of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans or those that are irreligious do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your father is perfect. So, verse 44... Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So right now, as you're considering who you're going to vote for and you're considering labeling them, if you label somebody an enemy, would you please pray for them? Pray for their blessing. Pray for shalom. Pray for the revelation of God. Pray for God to cause rain to fall on them and not rocks, and not heavy stones. Don't pray that way. Amen? Turn your Bibles to Matthew 22, verse 37 and 39. Jesus tells us how to show up in our culture. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus didn't say there, love people that are like you as yourself. He didn't say, love those that think like you, believe like you, and act like you as yourself. He said, love your neighbor. Now, some of us have some physical neighbors that are a challenge. Amen? We're going, Lord, do you mean that person? I mean, I've had some, I've had some stories. I've heard stories for, from some of us about the challenges in our neighborhoods, that neighbor who's on the road with us we're praying for them we're loving them amen oh god oh god help them please whatever you need to pray for them john 13:34 john 13:34 aren't you glad you brought your bibles today or it's on your phone or john 13:34 a new command i give to you jesus said love one another as i have loved you so you must love One another by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another it doesn't say if they have the same view as you on whatever subject love one another that's why this campaign is so important by the way is because Christians are not known today for our unconditional love we're known for other kinds of attitudes what kind of attitude should we have toward others? I'm glad you asked. First Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have Faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give everything I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I don't love, again, I am nothing. I gain nothing. What's the motivation of our hearts? Is it love? What's the heartbeat that fills our lives? Is it love and compassion? Or are we out to fix people? To control people? Are, are we seeking revelation and to move, and and we want to move in spiritual gifts here at Calvary. We teach that. We, We help people to connect with God and to move in the revelation, to move in the power of the kingdom of God, but you can actually move in signs and wonders and you can miss the whole point if it's not motivated and if your heart is not filled with love. Okay, this is a longer passage, so join me in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because he is love. This is how God showed his love among us He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. We know that we live in Him, and He is in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him, and He is in God. And so we know... And we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him. In this way, love is made complete among us, so that we'll have full confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. ...drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or his sister, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who He is not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, let's do a little checkup. How's your love meter? How are you doing loving the people? And so let, let's just do it this way. Not the people that are lovable, not the people that are like you and likable, not the people that are here this morning. How are you doing with people that are different? That people that stretch you, that challenge you, or that you have it in your pit of your stomach when you see them, you wished you were walking the other direction. What, how's it going with those kind of people? Right? Or that person... It doesn't matter. When you see this person, their name or their face or their speech, how's the love meter? Okay, how's the love meter? Now, love doesn't approve of everything everybody says, right? Love doesn't say, oh, joy, you know, I'm glad they said that or did that. But if you can't love people that you see, how can you say you love God whom you can't see? Actually, this passage says, if you can't love, if you can't be what he's asked you to be in this world, there's, there's a dissonance there. Lying, that's a pretty strong word, right? You are a liar, right? Now, I would never say that to one person in this room, right? I was taught, my mom said, if you don't have something good to say to somebody, don't say it, right? So as your pastor, I would never look at you, I would never look at someone else and say you're a liar. But you know what we're doing today? We're categorizing people as evil or good every day. And see, if somebody's evil, then we have to defeat evil and crush them. And so by putting them in an evil category, we're actually doing what the Jews did in their day. You know, they actually had this rule, this law in the Old Testament that uh, the sons and daughters were supposed to take care of their parents, right? But the way that the Pharisees and religious people of the day got around that was they would call something raka, which was this is devoted for God. So the money that I would use to support my parents who are failing in their health or who are going through a difficult time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to devote this money to God so that I don't have to take care of them. What did Jesus say about that? He said, You have violated the word of God to meet your own structures and your own values. You've actually twisted it. So I want us to hear very clearly in this day. Now, I know you have people that the way they're treating you, they're treating you as an enemy. I know that there are people, but Jesus says, love your enemies, and especially those who persecute you, okay? So I wished I could come up with a category that says, if you've got somebody that's against you, you really don't have to love them. I wished I could say that if someone goes beyond just being a bad person and being mean, if they're really working against you, that you don't have to love them. But we read that first, right, in Matthew chapter 5. He said, love your enemies and even bless those who persecute you. Now, that begs the question, how in the world do you do that? May I submit to you that we cannot. But the God who lives in you can. Amen? Don't, in Christianity, hasn't it given us an advantage? The Christ, the Son of the living God, lives in us, and He actually knows how to do this and has done it well. Amen? That's one of the things that I pray often. Oh, Lord Jesus, this is way beyond my capacity, but you know how to do this. Would you help me to do whatever it is, to love God, to to serve the Lord no matter what, to be faithful, to be steadfast, and to love the unlovely, to love my enemies, and even to love those who are out to get me. Jesus knows how to do that. I pray we'll show up well in culture today. I pray we'll show up well. Now, you need boundaries. And so if you're in situations where you're being abused, I'm not talking about that. If you're in situations where you're being taken advantage of physically, emotionally, uh, there, are, there are boundaries. There are protections that we need to do with our lives, right? But what we're doing in Christianity today, and I mean by we, I mean we in America... If someone doesn't think like us, believe like us, or act like us, we're labeling them as evil. And we think that gets us off the hook. I just want you to know, unfortunately, according to this passage, well, all these passages, that doesn't get us off the hook. Amen? And I hope it causes a real tension in you. This morning, my goal this morning was to make us feel uneasy. I wanted us to be challenged a little bit. Now listen, there are people that they work to push my buttons, I believe. They work to say things and do things, and and they just see life so differently than me, right? But I want to show up, whatever happens, and whoever it happens with, like Jesus wants me to, right? Now again, please don't push it to its ultimate extremes. I, I'm saying if you can protect yourself or if you can put up some boundaries or some barriers, and some of you going, oh, good. Then that empowers me to take some action against people. Well, sometimes Jesus actually asks you to lay down your life for your enemies. Amen? For those that persecute us. So this isn't easy. But actually, this is Christianity 101. How do we love people that we would label our enemies? Unfortunately, people claiming to be Christians... Have begun to believe a different gospel. The gospel of gaining power and destroying our enemies. And we say we're justified because others are out to destroy us, to destroy our nation, to destroy the church. And I just pray God forgive us. And we define an enemy who someone doesn't feel, think, or believe like I do regarding politics, which is power, or economics, which is money, or religion. Like Jesus, we have come telling and showing the gospel of the kingdom of God. I just want you to know, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God is really radical. God loved me in that while I was his enemy, separated from him, he loved me. While I was opposed to him, actually living in darkness, he called me and chose me. Does God really expect us to live like this? I told y'all, we were reflecting in staff meeting and sharing about Jesus' team. Can you imagine any leader in today's culture putting someone on their team, two people on their team that were from different political parties? Can you imagine doing that in this culture today? For instance, y'all know Simon the Zealot. Do you know what a zealot was? They were working for the overthrow of the Roman Empire. They were working, they thought that if they could fight and do enough, they would usher in the kingdom of God. And if they didn't, that Israel was going to be destroyed by the Romans. And so they gave their lives to fighting and to destroying their enemy, the zealots. Now, Jesus, in his wisdom and anointing under the leadership of the Father, puts Matthew the tax collector on his team. Who was Matthew? He was, he was a, in, in the mind of the zealot and many others in their culture, he was treasonous. He was a person who was supporting and sustaining the very thing that they were seeking to destroy. I submit to you that most leadership books today encourage us not to do that. Not to put people of such divergent views... But the father, Jesus prayed and asked, who do you want on my team? The father told him, and he added people like Matthew and people like Judas. I mean, uh, Simon the Zealot, and, or, or then Judas, right? I mean, Judas is a hard one, right? He saw good in Judas. He saw that he, he was a good treasure. He saw the things that God wanted, the redeemed things, and it didn't turn out perfectly with Judas, did it? This Christianity thing, it's about letting God change us at some levels that are deeper than our other commitments, than our other identities, okay? This is challenging. This is challenging. Now again, am I saying that I agree with everybody who's trying to propagate their stuff on us today? No, Am I praying that God would lead us in a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy? Yes. Am I asking God to cut off the demonic sources of evil and the principalities and powers that are fueling some craziness in our culture? The answer is yes. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but actually against principalities and powers and world forces of darkness in this world. Whatever happens, conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Like Jesus, we've come telling and showing the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, I hope you'll mark in your Bibles or have it memorized Isaiah 52.7. Isaiah 52.7. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim shalom, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to God's people, your God reigns. That's the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is Mark 1, 14 and 15. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come or is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus came talking about the good news of the kingdom of God. That's all through the Old Testament. It's all through the New Testament. It's good news. I want you to know when you're shaken to your core, wondering if our nation is going to make it, our God reigns. When, you, when you're wondering, can the prodigal come back, our God reigns. When you're wondering if what's going on in another continent is going to cause the end of the world, what we want to do is pray to our God and say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, let your timing be done, and would you save us from our brokenness. Amen? It is good news. It is good news. So we bring good news. What's the good news? We first of all proclaim peace, proclaim shalom, well-being, wholeness, healing, human flourishing. We do that for those that are prosperous and for those that are suffering financially. For those that are well, for those that are sick, God brings wholeness. He brings completion. He brings this fruitfulness that we could be we were meant to be. And then good tidings. I want you to know that we're getting good reports from the front lines of the kingdom of God. Our God is advancing in places that you and I would not believe. Right now, the man in white is showing up in Muslim nations, in cities, and in villages. The man in white is visiting people in dreams and visions, and individuals and whole cities are coming to Christ in places that you and I would say are unreachable. The man in white is on the move. He's making himself known. And then there are testimonies. I could just... I could, go, I could spend hours talking about what he's doing locally and globally, and we don't know what he... In our prisons, I could go on hours, okay, so I won't. But there's revival, there is awakening. God is on the move in places that we would say, that's not possible. So I want you to, I'm bringing good tidings. Good tidings means I'm bringing you reports from the front lines. And what Twitter and Facebook and YouTube The news and the talk media are bringing you are not those good news reports right now. You gotta find them in another place, okay? And if you've got an hour or two, just ask me, and we'll just have a grand old time talking about what it is. How do do we get out the word? This campaign is one of those ways to say he gets us. What you're hearing is not the final word. And then, who proclaims salvation? Our God is on a rescue project. Our God is coming, and and salvation is transformation, renewal. And by the way, salvation is just the entry point, right? Salvation, we're supposed to come in to be sons and daughters and to be a part of an eternal. God doesn't just save us for eternity. God saves us so that we can be kings and priests who serve our God, Revelation chapter 5 talks about. So, oh, salvation's the door. And then who say, your God reigns. And so one of the things that we do in our prayer meetings, our corporate times, I do this privately in my prayer times, is I read scriptures about what God has said, and I pray that back to him confidently, because what I see with my natural eye doesn't look like he reigns, but I want you to know our God reigns. And I have to keep reminding myself that, and I want to get around people that remind me that. Because there's enough voices in this world letting us know how bad things are. By the way, people ask me, what is the enemy? When I travel, they'll say, hey, what's the enemy doing in this city? What do you discern, or what's he doing in Houston? I've told y'all this before, Calvary, it takes no discernment to know what the enemy's doing. Zero. Zero. Like we used to have on our, our, our city shield, or our city promo thing, we used to have Houston proud. Like for a Texan and for a Houstonian, you have to use the word proud, that's redundant. Isn't it? I mean, when we travel overseas, they ask a Texan where they're from, and what does a Texan say? I'm from Texas. When they ask someone from the other 49 states, what do they say? Well, they don't say I'm from North Dakota, right? They say I'm from the United States, right? So Houston proud. Are we proud of our city? The answer, I love this city, and I'm proud. Of it. I talk about it all the time but you don't need to discern that we have a pride problem in Texas, right? (laughs) What do we tell the rest of the country? Hey, we're going to take our marbles and our oil and our state and we'll be fine without you, right? (sighs) So what's the enemy doing right now? He's stirring fear and he's stirring hatred and anger. Anger, hatred, they're the same words for me. Right now, How do we motivate people in our culture today? We do it with two things, fear and hatred. So every ad that you see will talk about what they're coming to do to take away from you, right? Every ad, and it doesn't matter, everything is like that. The way they keep your attention and keep you plugged in to the podcast or whatever it is, is to let you know how bad things are or that they've got the answers, and if we'll do it their way, then we won't have anything to fear or to be afraid of or angry about, right? Can we see through that? I pray we will. I, I pray we will. So the gospel of the kingdom of God, I want you to know there's a kingdom. And my citizenship, I am, I am so fortunate to be an American and to be a Texan. I I love where God has called me to live. I love this nation. I'm laboring for this nation. I'm laboring for my state. I'm laboring for my city in every way that I can as the Lord leads me. I'm praying, I'm serving, I'm working because I want other people to know how blessed we are as a nation and as a state and as a city. There's There's no better city to me than Greater Houston. I love this place. I love this place, but my citizenship, my ultimate loyalty is actually beyond that. I'm actually a citizen. I have dual citizenship. I'm actually a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, which supersedes this kingdom. It supersedes it economically, politically, and in every way, right? So that's why I tithe and I give abundantly from my resources. Although natural says, don't do that. You won't have enough to retire on. I want you to know, I trust a kingdom economic that is greater than the worldly economic, right? And that's true in every area. How about you? Are are we, listen, we are dual, I, I have a dual citizenship, but my loyalty is to the king and his kingdom. First and above, so if there's, a, if there's a conflict there, right, I've got to take a stand with what I believe the Lord's asking me to do. Even if it brings persecution or misunderstanding, I have to do that. But today, we're getting really confused on what's of which kingdom. And by the way, it's really hard, it's really challenging. Because what we say is, when you're anxious, when you're fearful and angry, we don't think clearly, Right? It shuts down the brain's ability to think clearly. So, not just the gospel of salvation. We're saved from sin. We're saved for heaven, the gospel of salvation says. But we are actually saved for a purpose to become a part of the king's family and the kingdom of God. So salvation, as I said earlier, is the first step into eternal relationship with God and into partnership with, with the king and his kingdom. So I know a lot of people who have prayed a sinner's prayer who have said, I walked an aisle, I made a decision back then, but the question is not what you do back then. Are you living for the king now? Are you walking with him in a personal relationship today, right? Not just the gospel of salvation and not just the gospel of the moral majority but the good news of the kingdom of God in his righteousness that actually reaches out to the least, the last, and the lost. So if, if you have a belief that doesn't include those people or people that are different than us, is that really the, the kingdom of God? Or not the gospel just of health and wealth, but of wholeness that comes through Jesus, which also heals, but it can enable us to endure suffering and pain. You know, I wish that everybody I prayed for got healed. We see a lot of people get healed as we pray for them, amen? Praise God. But not everybody gets healed, right? Not everybody we pray for gets saved, but that's the will of God too, right? He wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so in the mystery of all of it, am I going to be able to hang in there and and hang in for the long term? That's what I want to do. So when my body doesn't work well, you know, I had a, a, a well, I won't share that. That was not not good. Um, and not just the gospel of prosperity, but the ability to be content, Paul said, are you able to be content whether you're abounding or you're abased? I like to abound. <laughs> That's my vote financially and in every way, Right? But you in this room, you've been through times of being abased when you've not had enough, right? Did you know that your happiness and your joy is actually not dependent upon the size of your bank account or your checkbook? You know that, amen? And then, not the gospel of politics, which actually today preaches accumulating power and destroying our enemies. Now, again, I vote. I encourage you to vote. We had registration to say, let's help in the voting process. I believe all of us should participate in that process and vote as you feel the Lord is leading you to vote. But I actually stopped years ago telling people how to vote. I used to tell people how to do that, and then I had some friends tell me, say, well, I totally agree with this, but have you thought about this and this and this? What are you doing about that? And they brought up some re- the good conversation. I was learning a lot. I've got friends that people say that person is evil because they don't vote like you and they don't think like you. And I want you to know they love Jesus as much as I do. I don't know what to do with that. You know what I'm saying? Well, some of us do. Well, they're blind. They're ignorant. <laughs> they're deceived. Or they're evil. I can't do that. I can't go there based on what Jesus said. So I have good conversations with people. You know, today, though, we mostly can't talk about these things anymore, right? Because, man, people get angry. If you just wonder out loud, well, I wonder about this or that. And then, not the gospel of domination, but the overcoming evil with good. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, overcome evil with good. We're called to be salt and light, to influence and infect the sectors of society, redeeming and restoring them to God's design. That's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. We're supposed to be salt and light. We weren't sent to dominate and take over. We're supposed to be like leaven. Now, I don't know much about cooking, especially with, uh, with yeast, but what I've read and been told is a little bit of yeast will, will go through the whole batter or flour, or or whatever it is that it's supposed to do. Just a little bit. It permeates it. Okay, I got good news for you today. You are salt. How much salt does it take normally to season your food? Just a little, right? By the way, if you've exhausted the whole salt shaker, see a doctor and find out why you need that much salt. You know, it doesn't take a lot of seasoning. We were traveling in Taiwan, and we went to a Chinese restaurant with some uh, people there, and we all sat down, and they put this sauce in front of us, this yellow sauce, and they said, that's mustard sauce. And a guy sitting next to me, who was from New York, and he was uh, uh, Chinese descent, said, hey, listen, that's not like your mustard in the U.S. Don't lather that on, on your, 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 your dish where, where he said, just a little tip of your spoon. Well, that was God rescuing me, because, you know, when I get a hot dog, what do I do? I take the mustard and you just squirt, we weren't eating hot dog in, in, in Taiwan, but you know, whatever it was gonna put it on, that's how I do it, right? Well, I just, I'd never had something that hot, so I just did a little tip and, wow, it was a 9-11 fire. You know, so, you're salt. You're also light. If it gets dark in this room and you turn on one candle, you can, you can maneuver around. Now, that's who you are. So, things are getting really dark right now, right? Isaiah chapter 60, things are getting really dark. But you know what? God says, arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord is rising upon you. Yeah, thick darkness covers the earth, thick darkness covers the peoples, but the glory of the Lord's rising on you and actually says that if we'll live in this winsome way, this loving way, this forgiving way, this merciful way, this, this cross-cultural way, that kings and, and, and leaders will come to the brightness of our dawning. You'll actually, now to, to moths you'll be attractive and to cockroaches, they'll, they'll stay away from you, Right? People have reaction, right? But there are some leaders, there are some people that will be drawn. May you and I live like that, amen? And then, we're not to take over the sectors to dominate, but we're actually to wield the greatest weapon that the world has ever seen, the weapon of God's love that has come to woo and win people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So God could have come and just revealed himself. You know, people say, why didn't God just come and convince us and reveal himself? You know, Pastor Steve shared a testimony at our ministry team training that, you know, he, when he experienced the holy joy of the Lord, holy laughter, he realized that God could save the whole earth if he just poured that out on all of us in a moment. He could overwhelm us. Did y'all know God doesn't work like that, to overwhelm you? generally. I won't say ever, because there's, Paul would say differently, right? The road to Damascus, others of us, but but what I'm saying is, that's what we vote for, right? Is, is Lord, would you just help this country? Would you just nuke us with, with some help? And he goes, yeah, but I prefer to do it through you. And then we go, well, we prefer you to do it another way. For though we live in the world, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse three to six. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. The weapons we fight with are, are divinely powerful to demolish strongholds. So we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. I, may I submit to you that one of the things that might be hindering God in our culture right now is our obedience isn't complete. I'm not looking for people to blame, but it's really challenging to love some people today, right? It's really easy to put people in category of bad and evil. And it's really hard to let people that are bad and evil persecute you. It's hard. But the Lord says, hey, don't fight with the weapons of this world. By the way, we lose when we do that, right? We have divinely powerful weapons. I pray that we'll conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. We'll close with these two passages. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but that you'll be saved in that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So here the Lord calls us to live a life of unity, uh, of steadfastness, of unity, of courage, and then Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say, Again, rejoice, let your goodness and gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when you do that, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, Calvary. God is calling us to be a people who manifest steadfastness. Listen. I want to be like the hall of, uh, of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to die in my faith and pass it on to the next generation, even if I don't see everything fulfilled that I believe God's going to do, not only in my personal life, in our corporate life, but in our nation and the earth. I want to be a man of faith. It's easy to be a person of unbelief and to pass along despair. I want, if, if we don't quit, we win. So please don't quit on one another. Don't quit on God. Don't quit right now. Be steadfast. It it, it says right there, it says, I know that you stand firm. So be steadfast. By the way, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 following, talks about having done all the stand. So we stand. Three times it says, Stand. I want to take the next mountain. I want to take the next hill for God. But sometimes God is there clapping and rejoicing because we're still standing and we've not quit. We've not given up on Him or on others or the church or our neighbor. And then it says, Contending as one for the faith of the gospel, unity. I think one of the most discouraging things to me in this hour is how divided families are, churches are, cities are, and our nation is today. So we want to work for unity. We want to work, and unity doesn't mean uniformity, that people think alike, believe alike, act alike. But we want to work, a house divided against itself can't stand right just can't and then we want to be a people without being frightened in any way by opposition courage we need courage today don't we man we need courage it's it's really hard to look at where things are going it's just easy to throw in the towel it's easy to throw in the towel but I want you to know this is a day for men and women and boys and girls of courage to arise. And I don't think that God is saying, if you've got any fear or any anxiety in you, I can't use you. If that's the case, he can't use any of us, right? But what will I do in spite of my anxiety, in spite of my fear? Now, if I let the fear motivate me, it will enslave me. But if I say, God, I'm going to stand for you. I'm going to love my enemy. I'm going to I'm going to speak what I think you want me to speak in love, and I'm going to do it even if people oppose me, and even if it costs me, but I'm going to speak the truth in love, right? There's a lot of people sharing truth today, and they're missing that little prepositional phrase, in love. You can say, did you know you can say something in love, and you can say something that's true that's not in love, right? We've got to be, we got to watch our words, Um, So, to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, no matter what happens, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what comes our way, including suffering, this passage talks about, it requires us being steadfast, unified, courageous, and full of joy. Full of joy. Okay, Calvary. Whatever happens, whoever gets elected, Whatever you hear about that person that you used to respect and they don't think like you or believe like you, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Amen? Number two, with God helping us, let's choose to show up like Jesus wants us to show up in this complex culture. It is really a difficult thing to do right now. It is difficult. And not show up out of fear And not show up out of anger, but full of love. And again, love has boundaries. Love says, the one word boundaries, no, you can't do that to me. You can't say that to me. But it does it again in a wise and a loving way. And then thirdly, let's wield the weapons of the kingdom of God in this hour. Especially love. I want you to hear again, the greatest weapon that's ever been released on planet Earth is love. The greatest weapon that's ever been released on planet Earth is love. And let's release love, let's release prayer, and let's release the good news of the kingdom of God. In my worst moments, I don't have much hope for our country. In my best moments, I remind myself, God's at work, and I get to make this journey with you. And that brings me joy. And we live in Texas, (laughs) amen, that's a fact. It could be worse, amen? It could be worse. But literally, I, I, hope, I hope you think about it. You know, what happened to poor Elijah? Elijah, when it came down to it, said, there's nobody, nobody loves you and is living for you. And what did God say to him? I got 7,000 that you don't know about. Isn't that good news? Okay, so we've got a room full of people and people online that love God. We're not alone in this battle, amen? Did you know we have millions of people in Indonesia right now praying for Houston, Texas? Millions. Not just for America, praying specifically was laid on their hearts in the, the first part of the decade of 2000 to pray for Houston, Texas. We have friends in Indonesia, we have friends in Africa, we have friends on, in different nations of the earth praying for America right now. I just heard a, a guest speaker from Australia this past week talking about how they're praying for us, because when we sneeze, the rest of the world catches cold. He said, "What happens here because of your leadership? What happens here gets spread around the earth." Daniel de Jesús has reminded us about the missionaries that went to his country of the Philippines, right? This friend told me a story about Singapore that I did not know, about Christian missionaries that went there and laid the foundation for its prosperity and well-being. And I heard about uh, from a missionary two weeks ago, Papua New Guinea. The first Christians that went there, those people were cannibals. Those first missionaries that went there were all killed. The second wave of missionaries, get this, they came there singing hymns when they landed. And the village chief, who heard their song, they had never sung. They had chants and they had dances, but they had never heard singing. He gathered all the wealth of the village and invited them to come and share the gospel. Now, who would have thought of a song, a hymn, to reach a village of people? That's your God. Let's stand. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.